I'm Molly, and you're listening to Zetas Lapidus, a Mammoth Club original podcast. Sup all you rad dudes and dudettes, I'm Alan. I'm Molly. And I'm Max. And that's not a recycled intro from Johnny Tsunami whatsoever, but this is Zetas Lapidus. It is the podcast where we watch every Disney Channel original movie or DCOM in chronological order and then overanalyze them. This week, we watched Rip Girls. What if we just talked about Johnny Tsunami again? Can we? I would Just rather. as a suggestion. <laughs> I would rather. Can we? <laughs> God, I miss the hee-hees. The hee-hees are the good I miss- times. Johnny Tsunami and a coherent plot, but this this movie is a bit more. He 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 he. The half-hearted. Ha. The the inflex on the end because it's a confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big yeah. confused. The basic show info for this film is a 13-year-old learns to surf while visiting Hawaii for the first time to see a plantation she inherited. I mean, that's true. <laughs> That's part of it, I guess. <laughs> that's that's so bare that is bones. A, that is part of this movie. Undeniably, that is part of this movie. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you with that. I just copy and pasted it from IMDb and I hadn't read it yet. So it's, that was me reading it for the first time with you all. And wow. One of, one of the many narrative threads that are in this movie. Yeah, it's not inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, it's about there. We've got about twelve other ones that didn't get mentioned, but that is one of the plot threads. It's the one plot thread that comes up. I know. I'm not going to say it comes up most often. They no, all come the, up sporadically. What I like thing. is that it says she learned to surf. She learned to surf in one scene. Like there, that girl went from I've never surfed before to I am surfing in one scene. That, that's surfing. not what the movie's about. I'm surfing so well that I can go save my friend, who's a much better hey, surfer hey, than me. Alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. <sighs> sorry. No one saw that coming. <laughs> no one saw that plot twist. Also, Max, it's one and a half scenes. There was a scene where they taught her to stand up on the beach. Well, that's sort of what I'm really... talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that was the scene. That's the one. Uh, this movie was released April 22nd of 2000. Did either of you watch this film as a kid? No, this is I, the first and last time I've ever seen this movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I I also did not watch this movie as a child. Yeah, same. Th- this is a first time viewing for, for me. And last? I, I cannot imagine a world where I'm going to opt to put this on voluntarily. This is not something that I, I imagine is going to come back on my television screen mm. by choice. Anyway, the top song of the time was Maria Maria by Santana featuring the product. Wow. Maria, Maria. You remind me of a West Side Story. What a a clever lyric. Yeah. Yeah. Just need to. In a Spanish Harlem. Maria, Maria. And then you had the. That was the guitar. But yeah, the riff that Santana did was amazing. That's true. Um, I, Alan, would you say, I, I know Molly's answer. Mm-hmm. Would you say, Alan, you're more a jet or a shark? I'm a. Um, ooh, ooh, excellent question. Sharks v. Jets. Yeah. Uh, do you well, we know, know my? Molly, we know do you know my answer? Shark. Just because I like sharks. Yeah, yeah obviously that's right. I'm on a shark. Yeah. yeah, obviously you're gonna be a shark. If obviously. I think about, I think I was probably a jet. If I'm thinking about the West Side Story, and I'm trying to think, like because it isn't, it's just Romeo and Juliet, right? Yeah, so, that's correct. So I'm thinking, 
Which one are the? Mm, yeah, I'm thinking of a jet. Yeah, you're. That, I would agree. Yeah, since since the sharks are Puerto Rican. Yeah, I, that's no. not me. Um, For the record, I am not Puerto Rican, <laughs> but I would also, still also like to true. be on the sharks. <laughs> also, okay. Uh, for the Maria Maria um, music video, I watched it just because I love the song. And in the music video, you see Santana playing two guitars. So he has a classical guitar that he has like sort of set to the side. And then mm-hmm. his electric guitar that he riffs that he just kind of slides on his back. So mm-hmm. you'll watch him in the music video, pick them up and play those different things live. And he'll be like, have, he'll have the classical guitar over the electric guitar. And it's just like the level of talent that that the man dude's very is. good at the guitar. God, He's very crazy. talented. He also designs the hell out of a shoe. Wow, uh, the 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 multifaceted artistry. Mm-hmm. No, his his shoes are awesome. Hmm. I I didn't did I did not know. know that. Yeah, no, he has very cool huh. uh, and trendy shoes. I remember them being very popular when I was younger. Uh, the Carlos by Carlos Santana line. Uh, there was some very like kind of out there styles and color mm. patterns and a little more. Neat. eccentric than your classic shoe. I don't know what the what it looks like now, but yeah, I I was not aware that Carlos Santana had a line of shoes. So this is a learning moment here. Good mm-hmm. to know. Mm-hmm. The top grossing film of the week was Rules of Engagement, starring Tommy Lee Jones and Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, did either of you see that movie? I know that I did not see the I've movie. Not but I read seen the plot film, synopsis. but you know, two A plus actors, so. Uh, Big hitters, for sure. Big hitters. Some of the news headlines of the time. In a pre-dawn raid, federal agents seized six-year-old Elian Gonzalez from his relative's home in Miami, Florida, and fly him to his Cuban father in Washington, D.C., ending one of the most publicized custody battles in U.S. history. I remember that. That was a big one. That was like on the day, April 22nd, this happened. I remember remember all of the news coverage of that story. Mm -hmm. And then outside of the U.S. news, the big number change occurred in Britain. And if for those of you, I'm sure Molly, Max, do you know what the big number change is? I do not. No. No, I'm an uncultured swine. So it was an update to a smaller number of geographic dialing codes in response to the late 1990s growth of telecom. An exhaustion of the local area codes in Great Britain. So they had to add new area codes. I did not know what it was. I, but I it feel less appearing. bad about not knowing that now. Yeah, it's a very niche thing in telecom, but it happened. So here we are. It's when it began. So super fun news of the yeah, time. Yeah, really just riveting stuff. <laughs> truly, <laughs> truly riveting news. As riveting as the film or more? Tell me, how, how does it compare? I would say the film was more exciting than those news stories. <laughs> low bar (laughs) i bet you cannot wait to dive into it max because that's what we're doing next so let's put ourselves in april 22nd of 2000 and dive into rip girls the film opens on a plane as our main character sydney performs more voiceover activity which i just don't like why are we back to voiceover to intro these films what i am gonna need them to stop doing in these films is the freeze frame in in the opening scenes because we had it in alley cat strike and we have it again where it's just showing like generic things and then it does a blurry freeze frame and i'm like 
Was this a thing in the early 2000s that I forgot about? Or is this just a current trend on the Disney Channel? The stop cap, like the stop motion capture, just like, why are we, why, why? Then we also have her, I realize now, like they were trying to introduce like the hobbies of our, of our main character in this, which are like, I'm a photographer. So I'm going to take shots out the, out of the camera, or not out of the camera, out of the, the plane window. By the way, there's no world where the shots and photos that she's taking outside of a plane window would ever look that clear and crisp, given how many things she's shooting through. But that's that's just me being pedantic. In the voiceover, I immediately wanted to tick up the single parent counter, but we have a stepmom present. That is a good question. Does the presence of a stepparent negate the single parent counter? I, you know what? I think in general, I'd say no. No, I'm sorry. In in general, I'd say yes. But in this movie, because the deceased parent plays such an integral part of plot, I almost want to notch it up anyway. He's not a single parent, though. She she sees that woman as her mom. She says that. Mm -hmm. I think for the purpose of why, why we started the single parent counter, it counts because the single parent counter is typically to indicate a like um jumping off point for the main character's hero arc and that usually starts with trauma and that trauma is often loss of a parent or divorce of parents hold on though we we've we've ticked up the single parent counter for side characters that only had one parent right i think I don't think that we have historically rooted this in narrative. I think it's just, does somebody only have one parent? I I think, yeah, I think in this instance, the single parent counter does not tick up. Uh, I don't think we need to start. Do we, do we have a step parent counter? Do we need that? I don't think we need that. I think it ticks up because the main point of the, like one of the main plots of the story is that her mom's dead. But, but she has two parents. I, I understand that. I understand that she has a stepmom that acts as a mother. And I'm not saying that step parents cannot be, a parent figure, I'm saying that I think it counts because 90% of this plot revolves around the fact that her mom is dead. Well, you decide at home, listener. Clearly, we're divided. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I don't think she has a single parent, <laughs> uh, but feel free to, to g- decide at home whether you think the that great this, debate. this counter goes up or not. Continues. The Re- great debate. Re- regardless, <laughs> we have her flying into... Hawaii. She's going back home, even though she doesn't remember Hawaii, because for unknown reasons or yet to be revealed reasons, Sydney, the main character, her father whisked her away from Hawaii after her mother's passing. Yeah, there's a lot of exposition that happens very early on in this to try to set the stage. It felt there's a lot of exposition that happens. And anyway, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot of exposition that happens period period <laughs> just throughout the film they, right. they read alley cat strikes notes and we're like hey That's we should right. do that it's actually amazing how we had like like the best written decom we have had in the color of friendship <laughs> and then it just went off a freaking cliff it like it did the it's, writing of Alley Cat Strike and this movie are wild compared to even what was happening before yeah, Color e- of Friendship. Even like Smart House 
and oh, 13th yeah. year are better written than these films. Yeah, I don't know what happened in the 2000s. Maybe, I mean, Alan, you talked about that this is where we get to like monthly decoms. Mm -hmm. And so it might just be that like, hey, you got to have a lot of writing staffs that are all working on a bunch of separate movies to be able to release at this velocity. Yeah. But it is, it is actually wild how badly we have seen a, a degradation a in the writing. It, yeah. It's so funny that you mentioned that as you said it, I was just thinking, I wonder if it's a volume issue because if it's a volume issue, I'm, I've got some bad news for us, right? We're not going to escape this for the next five fucking years. Like we've got 2000 through 2005 monthly releases of decoms. I yeah. hope that they are able to, and again, I don't know, but I hope that they are able to sort of rein that in and sort of kind of recapture that formula in a way that works. But this, I actually, because of how Alley Cat Strike went and kind of how it went with um, Don't Look Under the Bed, I literally started to look, I had to put guardrails on my thinking as I watched this movie to be like, okay, here is what happens in this order. So that way it became like an intentional way of thinking about this movie instead of just being like, all right, let's try to make this thing make sense. Because again, she's on the plane voiceover exposition we like she introduces three or four key threads that we're going to get right off the bat land in hawaii kind of show up at this plantation where they're introduced where she inherits the plantation that's just the mm. the wildest part is that she's 14 <laughs> or 13 and has inherited a plantation and that's fine i understand that theoretically you could pass down something to someone who is not of age yet but my understanding of the law is that a 13-year-old cannot make any real estate decisions. True. But that is not the case in this film. Okay. I also liked where the... the did you catch the relation she has to the person To the who's, aunt. It's her it's aunt. It's her aunt. It's Miss Leilani's sister's granddaughter. Is It's like, so your cousin's friend's stepdaughter, her cousin, and then that cousin's aunt's best friend. She died. And so now you get to make real estate decisions that will affect all of this island of Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like her mom at first, but it's no, not. It was, it was no, yeah, it's, it's Miss Leilani's sister's granddaughter daughter is is her relation so minors can be beneficiaries but they can't legally own their property until they come of age Duh. what happens when you leave an inheritance to a beneficiary who is still a minor depends on the nature of the benefit and the state law i'm not going to dive into hawaii real estate law but for all intents and purposes this is a non-issue the entire plot of this is a non-issue because the parents should be making the call can we talk about how that house is haunted and they never address it after the first scene? <laughs> I was about to say that. Sure. I, I, I was about to say that because she's exploring the house. She goes to a cabinet. The cabinet opens itself up. She sure finds, does. She sees a magic book. And I, I thought, oh, is this a magic movie? Turns out. Nope. No, nope, not even a little bit. <laughs> not, not never gonna come up again. <laughs> no, nope. Now, like that, when she walks into the house, she gets spooked by Thackeray Binks, and <laughs> and her dad. He's only there seems, for like fifteen minutes. Her dad seems alarmed. He says, "We don't know what could be in this house." And then the cabinet opens itself, and I was like, "Ghosts? Could ghosts be in this house? Ghosts and, and rip girls?" And, rip and I, I suddenly was like, "Is this a ghost surfer movie?" Because I am intrigued. 
no, it has nothing to do with anything. We'll basically never be in that house again. Like it, it mm -hmm. it's, what was that? <laughs> the entire setup of the house is, into, uh, they, they mess around and tinker with this sort of like spiritual, spirituality aspect in this film a little bit. And it feels haphazard at best when they do bring it up. And this is one of those instances where like, the house will show you the way. This is the extra happy haunt that needs to get into Haunted Mansion and hasn't made it there yet. Well, Thackeray Binks shows her to the surfboard later too, so. That's true. Also, He's a the, spirit guide. the, I guess we can call them villains. They're, I don't know what we want to call them. But the real estate agents? <laughs> the real estate moguls that want to buy it from the 14 year old and turn it into like a big resort. Did anyone else did anyone, did <laughs> they anyone represent else Jimmy Buffett. get the niece and nephew from you lucky dog vibes? Oh, 100%. <laughs> All we have to do is change the dog's name. Like I was 100%. like, are we watching that movie again? Like what is it felt like it when they were on the screen. They're like, just like, Oh, we can make a resort for you. And like, they're trying to convince a 13 or 14 year old girl to sign over this property. And I wanted to be like, just buy her a pony. Like, do you know what it would take to get a 14 year old to give you something? I want to pause she, here. She doesn't care about like the real estate value. No, like they're going about not this not all the bit. wrong way. Not even a little bit. Uh, well, I will say, I think there's a, who they're catering to the parent or the 13 year old. Yeah, that's true. I will say that there's a real missed opportunity to make this, you know, maybe I'm spoiled by the MCU, but there's a real missed opportunity with these decoms to connect them in a shared universe. I mean, why <laughs> is why does Johnny Coppola not show up on this beach? <laughs> why is it not the, 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 the brother and sister from you lucky dog. Let's make a, 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 a decom universe where all of these characters live in one world. I would Honestly, like it yes. in my, in my canon. Actually, there is a part where Johnny tsunami is involved and we'll get there. I, you know, I am pretty, uh, I have a feeling I know what part it is and I'm on board. I'm, I, I'm here to tell I you, I think wait. I'm on board. Cannot <laughs> wait. We, I do want to pause for a second here because can we just acknowledge right now that the acting in this entire movie is that of a soap opera? It is the, oh, the music choices, the acting is just so very soap opera-esque. Sydney is surprised at everything. True. Everything anybody says, she goes, really? You mean it? Really? And it's like, they'll literally be like, hey, do you want to go to the beach? Really? Like, literally <laughs> everything, she is surprised by it. Ma'am, this island is an island. The, like, the entire perimeter of this thing is a beach. Like, you, uh, you go. To be fair, I would be scared of the beach, too, if I was eaten by copies in Jurassic Park 2, which is how I know this actress. Mm. She's uh, the open scene of Jurassic Park 2, where her rich family docks on the beach and then she takes her sandwich on a walk and then all the commies eat her. Camilla Bell? Yeah. She was eaten by dinosaurs and now she's scared of the beach. It makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not the only one scared of the beach, but we'll get there. Mm -hmm. So Sydney asked to go to the beach the day after they arrived. This is my favorite part. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. The, real quick, real quick. Thacker Binks takes her to find the surfboard. Mm-hmm. This is going to be important later. Yeah. So I, I got to make sure it's I, mentioned. Well, let's talk about it. it. Thackeray Binks takes her to find the surfboard. Sydney, who has never surfed before in her life, finds the surfboard mm -hmm. and is enthralled by it mm -hmm. and then carries it out of Old Spooky Haunted Barn mm -hmm. where she collides 
in a uh, bicycle wreck mm -hmm. with Gia. Gia, yes. Uh, Gia comes around the corner quickly and runs in to Sydney, falling off of her bike dramatically, and then getting up and they become fast friends as Gia compliments her newly found spooky surfboard mm -hmm. and uh, asks her, you know, about where she comes from. And Gia knows that she is the one that has inherited the house because this is the island. It's a small and, place. And word spreads fast, as she says. Correct. That is a key that relationship. Is a key that is we, we got to make sure we remember that that happened. She walks out with spooky haunted surfboard and Gia collides with her uh, it, on a bike. Yes. We also need to remember that they find a photo album. Uh, a plot album. A, a, and in it is a photo of mom. Yeah. And she's smoking hot. She I just is. want to put that out there. Mm -hmm. Like True. dad mm -hmm. was punching up big time. And Sydney is surprised, of course. And she's like, really? My mom surfed? And they're like, <laughs> dad's like mad that she's figured this out. Mar, how so dare dad you is mad all, all the time. Yeah, true. Dad's, true. Dad is but then you immediately are like, oh, I... I, I bet the fact that they have mysteriously neglected to tell us what happened to the mom, I'm going to bet she died in a surfing-related incident. Obviously. I'm just going to go out on a limb here. <laughs> going to go out on a limb here and assume that's what killed the mom, and that's why dad is so uptight about the surfing and the beach. Well, we, that, we get that introduced when, when Sydney's like, I want to go to the beach, and the dad's no, like, why? No. Wait, what? why? why that's why? my favorite scene, because they're like, what should we do tomorrow? It's like, dad, stepmom, Sydney. And they're like, we could go to a blanket exhibit. <laughs> In Hawaii? And, and then Sydney's like, I'd like to go to the beach. And they're like, Whoa, what? Like, <laughs> No, you're not allowed to go to the beach. But it's like, they're fucking hawaii of course you want to <laughs> go, go to, to the, the beach. beach like that's all you want to do in hawaii like yeah dad hates the beach he it is uh, unimaginable to him that somebody would go to the beach and it, it's not just that he hates the beach this is where i'm not sure if this is just like they tried with the writing to not give away the plot point about mom mm. because he was like Sydney says, I'm going to go with Gia, the, the, the bike accident girl. And dad's like, well, you don't even know her. You can't go alone. And I don't know if they're trying to be like, oh, don't hang out with strangers. Like they're trying to like kind of red herring you to not think about mom mm -hmm. dying. But like, it's really obvious that mom died surfing and like, hey, I don't want you to go to the beach because maybe you'll die. But we're not talking about that yet. Like. It's a it's a crazy bit of writing. The dad is so upset about. God forbid you ever go to the beach. Yeah, he's disproportionately angry, but and the he, reason that he gives, he's just like, "I'm angry about strangers." And but like, also, does she know how her mom died? No, I, I, no, I think she has no idea. We're supposed to believe that we, the audience, and her find out at the same time, right. which is like Bullshit. crazy to me. Well, she. I mean, she says that like when she sees that photo of her mom, she's like, this is like the like second photo I've ever seen of my mom ever. And I'm like, that is a ludicrous plot point that you are a 13 year old girl whose mom seemingly died when I mean, we don't know, but it sounds like when she was like two years old and your dad's never shown you a photo of your mother. Dad's a shit dad if that's the case. Oh well, my God. We're going to get into this more, but a lot of the parenting in this movie is literally the adults going, it's just grown up stuff. Don't worry yeah. about it. And it's like, that is horrible. 
It's crazy. It's crazy. Regardless, she ends up at the beach with the promise that she will not surf and just take photos of the surfers, which I have questions because not only did she leave her house with a camera, she left with the surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna surf, but I, I got this this thing. Don't you worry about it. I'm just gonna look at it. I'm just yeah. gonna just. I'm gonna put it in the water and watch it float. Like that's all I'm gonna do, and just take photos. Obviously, she's gonna she, she's gonna try to surf, but we are introduced to the. But other has characters. she heard about riptides? <laughs> I know. Yeah, so she, we're introduced to Gia introduces us to her crew, which includes Plaster Arm Kona. 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 He's got Kona, sweet who is frosted the, tips. He does. He has yeah. sweet frosted tips. He is the male love interest. Now, I thought this as I was watching this. Is this the first? Like actual romantic interest, like plot point romantic interest we've seen in a decom. Well, no, because we had Brink and be- Val. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. Kiss already. Um, oh no, I guess thirteenth year. Only in water related movies do we get uh, <laughs> do we get romances. Well, uh, I, I don't. <laughs> It's the water that ties I, I also wonder That's if right. you would count horse sense. Oh, Joey maybe. and the horse? No. <laughs> no. What, what was his name? Gina? Oh, the girlfriend. The Gina. Girlfriend. Joey. Yeah, Gina. Gina. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. That's true. I, I think that like, I guess that was part of a plot point. I was thinking to myself that that when, when eventually Sydney asked Gia like, do you like it? I felt like, man, we haven't had a like, yeah. I like him, like him kind yeah. of plot point up until this mm-hmm. we've had like even in 13th year like they were kind of together or 40 or whatever but like that pivot point of like i like him like him hasn't come up no um, not, in not a overtly decom, really. i i agree because that was one of the few moments that i kind of smiled because i remember that conversation God, it was so clumsily like it, handled which is so yeah real. but it was like you know the oh i'm gonna tell him no don't tell him i'm too embarrassed like yeah that whole that conversation all of us had it with our friends oh, and yeah. like oh yeah that took me back and that was that was the most believable writing in the whole thing <laughs> a classic teenage and and you know what it's no surprise that sydney likes him because he's a poet <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm trying to drink a sip of water, Max. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, Kona comes down. He's uh, one of the many. There's a whole crew of, of surfers, but um, while they all go surfing, Sydney ends up talking to one of the guys, Kona, who can't surf because he has uh, his arms in a cast, which will not limit him from getting in the water multiple times in this movie. <laughs> but um, he stands on the beach with her, and first he's the first one to call her out on the fact that she can't surf she's sort of playing it off like she can surf she's got the surfboard and she's sort of like not overtly lying about it but she's not saying she doesn't surf and finally he's like you've never done it before yeah lying by mission thank you and then finally he starts talking about surfing and he says very mundane things like riding on the waves is like being free and she goes you're a poet. So mm. it's no question why she likes him so much. Yeah, that is poetic. Ugh, golly. This this is when we get to the entire like learning to surf because obviously the kids convince her to learn how to surf, which is starts on land where she's taught to stand by everybody yelling at her to stand up. 
and then applauding her in the most awkward happy birthday in a, in a crowded restaurant kind of way. Um, I and- do have to wonder why surfing-related decoms are like 47% montage because there was quite a few montages in this one just like in Johnny's. You spent a lot of money on the location. I would say that that is not just surfboarding montages. I would say that's a boarding movie <laughs> think it brink uh i think it brink had a lot of montages <laughs> johnny tsunami had a lot of montages yep. and now this it's like if there's a board involved what we need is a bunch of montages like they even montage later like the kids having fun like with the squirt gun on the beach like it's yeah, just this, it's just like vague plot points in between montages is and every montage movie. every montage has a different genre of music playing over it like not not like a bunch of different songs it's like this montage has a pop punk song this montage has acoustic ukulele music this <laughs> montage has a pop song this like it, it's just like totally different vibes every time it is my favorite vibe is the ukulele montage where we watch sydney beef it in a place where skim boarders would spend the majority of their time <laughs> which i just thought was hilarious because she's riding a wave that a toddler wouldn't even get knocked over by and falls over dramatically while a creepy unnamed woman watches on with binoculars through That's the bushes true. I was un- that was unsettling it came out of the blue i remember going what why are you here ma'am well between all these surfing montages she will go home and she'll lie to her her parents that she's been surfing sure or she'll just say i was just on the beach but stepmom figures it out because like her swimsuit's her swimsuit's wet like no shit she got in the ocean how surprising but she's cool she doesn't tell on her anything but this is when you get the worst parenting ever and i'm not a parent so i don't know that i'm qualified to say that but i have a parent and i know that (laughs) if you ask your parents something repeatedly at age 13 or 14 and they just keep saying to you don't worry about it and i quote it's just stuff (laughs) that is not Good parenting. It's just stuff is a great line. That's literally what the... Don't worry about it. It's just stuff. That's literally what the stepmom says when she says, asks a very valid question of like, why is dad so uptight right now? It feels like he's upset all the time. Did I do something wrong? Why is he having such a hard time? Like she's asking very valid questions and Mm -hmm. the response is, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. It's just stuff. You know... Sometimes we all just deal with stuff. This is also where we get another main narrative thread. She's Mm -hmm. finished up surfing and we hear from the brother and sister from you lucky dog, the, the real estate agents. And we get, you know what this is, I will say this did make me feel a little at home. Like it's a decom because what we got was a good money based real estate villain. And, and, uh, you know, we know that kids really do relate to like insurance fraud. I I did tax evasion. I I feel like inheritance fraud is the theme of this film. It felt good that we had a little like capitalist villain here because that, Back to that our roots. Is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you want to really feel like it's a decom, and, and what are we doing if we don't get that? So we get the classic, the the the, the iconic 
historic home trying to be bought by Margaritaville <laughs> and will she won't she sell the home and sell out the <laughs> island of Hawaii or will she keep it and maintain the historic nature of of the Ohana right like it's a classic kind of decom and lest we forget thread. she's 13 so she shouldn't be able to make this decision for yeah, that's five right. more years that's but right yeah. don't worry about it even if she was like yeah i want to keep it her parents could just override her like, i don't it's... think that they can do anything i think it is hers and nothing can happen to it till she's 18 i don't think that um i think what i so i also alan read and it depends on the way that it is entrusted it it can either go to like a trust, in mm. which case the trust manages it, it or it can be assigned a like property manager, basically, that will make all decisions about it. And so I think it is possible that like dad was the uh, designated property owner or manager and that he could have sold that house. Um, but ultimately, of course, at the end of the movie, he lets her make the choice, yes or no, because it's hers I well guess. she's the one holding the pen to sign the damn thing which is at the weird. end right yeah. but but there was a plot point where he was like you should make the call right which sort of implies that he was gonna make the call yes yes okay. okay okay so we've had dad dealing with stuff we've had the real estate conversation and now we get back to another montage hold Unless on real wanna, quick though yeah yeah I, I i just liked in the real estate conversation that they they were like everything is negotiable and everything she wants to because save the whales yeah they're like you know what sure we'll let we'll talk to the whales we'll make sure the whales are gonna stay <laughs> nothing is off the table would you first like, it's like, to stay <laughs> thank you Dory like, well, the home's historic. yeah exactly thank Come you Dory back. yeah <laughs> First, they're like, but what about the home? And they're like, well, I could probably be a restaurant. Yeah. And then yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. but the beach. And they're like, ah, well, I mean, right now it's going to be a resort guest, but maybe we'll let the riffraff serve there. Maybe we'll let the pigs <laughs> in. Yeah. And what about the whales? We'll talk to the whales. The whales can stay. It's fine. Like the idea that the person buying this home is not going to be like, yeah, F you. We're going to do whatever we want with this home as soon as we buy it is crazy. Like mm -hmm. they're going to say, here's the dollar amount. Take it. Yes, that is exactly what would happen. They're trying to negotiate with the 13-year-old. I don't understand it. In our next surfing montage, she gets a bump on the head. She does. She, she sure she, does. She bumps because she's surfing too well for someone that learned how to surf Yesterday. one day ago. Yeah. And you have to say, something bad's going to happen because dad was so concerned about the riptide. Like, the only answer is for there to be a riptide. Oh, you Obviously. know what? You mentioned that we've... I, this just struck me. This is something that we have not mentioned yet around the timeline of this film. The entire film takes place in two weeks. This That's entire true. film That's takes true. place in two weeks. That's it's important true. to note that. Because literally, what the... the I can't remember his name, but when the gentleman arrives, who is sort of the Bo. lawyer represent... Bo. When Bo arrives, who is the lawyer representing Sydney and the estate shows up he's like sydney's got two weeks to make the call if she doesn't make the call in two weeks it's hers she's required to stay for two weeks yes. is what they say or it's not her house <laughs> it, i don't know 
that this is how real estate works <laughs> that feels incredibly arbitrary <laughs> yeah i, I agree <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, i'm sorry to pull us no, out of I the plot i think that's important for to some, know. but good lord I the entire these, film i think these details are important but yeah she bumps her noggin Kona right? comes in, saves her. Kona, of course, saves her. He does not One give cast a, down. He does not give a <laughs> shit that his cast place. is going to smell so funky after <laughs> oh, it gets God. wet. You ever had a cast and get it wet? It smells disgusting. Yeah, it smells like three-week-old sock. It does not smell yeah, good. Yeah, it's horrific. You got to put a plastic bag on that thing. But no time. So he saves her, and they pull her out, and she's bleeding. So they take her to Gia's mom, Leah. Malia. 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 Didn't break too many brain cells trying to jump that family tree there. And we meet Malia, and immediately you're like, she knows her mom. Like, yeah, obviously. The, everything is so obviously. obvious. Yeah. Like, every. Oh, I, I bet she knows who she is, and I bet she knew her mom. To your point, it's so obvious that even Sydney knows, and Sydney has not been introduced to this woman yet. Well, she's surprised by the information, but <laughs> Sydney wakes <laughs> up everything. and just engages in a detailed conversation with this stranger. But for, but not not before insulting her age oh, yeah. by going, yeah. "You surf still?" <laughs> yeah. "You old hag? You surf?" You I also rusty like that when, lady. I also like that when uh Cindy who has just gotten ripped under the wave and literally her head was bleeding, kind of like comes to seemingly it is implied that she has short-term memory loss. Uh <laughs> Malia says, Stop feeling sorry for yourself and get up. It's like, you just have a concussion. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. She shouldn't have I think, slept if she I had think, a concussion. I think she said, like, if you ha- can feel sorry for yourself, you're fine. <laughs> like, yes. that's her, like, barrier of, like, if you're to the point where you're sad you fell down, you're good. <laughs> Malia yeah, is and, an enigma. I and Sydney like is like that old hag surfs i can't believe it like every <laughs> their interactions are immediately crazy like <laughs> i think malia is my favorite character though oh for sure yeah for absolutely sure. and uh, narrator adjacent she is our narrator and she is was um sydney's mom's best friend which yeah. of course i was like it's either the the aunt sydney's never met or like you knew i thought knew she was her aunt yeah i that thought was it was my mom's sister yeah, same. And then I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. She and G would be cousins, but that's not what happened. That is not what happens. What does happen is Sydney is taken back to her father's home after a... Okay. There, there's, no, a there, whale, there's something in between. No, there's they, a whale conversation. An unscheduled, unprompted whale visitation. And by that, I mean, they just take a four-wheeler. Malia is so irresponsible. She takes a concussed 13-year-old on a four-wheeler. She's fine. To, She's fine. She can which, by the way, Gia doesn't go along for, like... <laughs> Why, why is Thank Gia you. not on this venture? Like now you're like new friend's mom is taking you to the top of a mountain by herself. Like it's very odd. This whole she, thing is odd. She's like, look out at the ocean. This is where the whales come. And it's a tradition to see the whales. And your mom and I saw the whales. And guess what? At some point in this movie, you'll see the whales too. Because Sydney, this is foreshadowing <laughs> and sydney goes really i can see the whales <laughs> i'm 
telling you. Uh, but then they get this very odd interaction where Sydney's like, will you bring me? Again, there, there's gonna be a scene about this. And Emilia says, you must be ready at any time. She's when like, the whales come, you must come. And I was like, what is this? What the fuck is happening right now? The whales, the whales decide. <laughs> the whales decide when you come. You're Be fake. ready at all moments. You never know when they're going to strike. We are here. We are the And I also... And then, of course, I was like, I bet the whales symbolize something. And sure as shit, she's like when the whales come, it means promise of new hope or some obviously, bullshit. And yeah. I was like, of course it does. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Adds obviously. Of it course does. it does. I also, listen, I don't like to, you know, I, I, I don't always like to acknowledge, you know, the like notes that we take, but I need you to know that it's at this moment in this movie that I wrote down. Now, again, we haven't had anything revealed about, about mom yet. It's at this moment in this movie that I that I wrote down on this piece of paper in this book. When is someone going to tell this girl her mom died surfing? Because nobody's acknowledged it, and it's so fucking obvious. It is high time. <laughs> when, when is someone going to tell this girl that her mom died surfing on these beaches? All of a sudden, Captain Avast busts into the scene. <laughs> God bless somebody tell this girl that her mom died in these waves like this is crazy <laughs> well they go back to home oh the plantation yes and, Sydney's plantation and Sydney asks Malia like do I have to tell my dad I was surfing and she's like you know live your truth do whatever you want dad is of course furious dad's always mad dad is always mad always he has a yardstick so far up his ass it is just i want to go out on a limb here actually Uh and maybe it's not that far of a limb but i want to make a statement and i think he's the worst parent we've seen worse than ralph yes i think he's worse than ralph for sure i think the fact that he hasn't told his 13 year old daughter how her mother died he's not shown her pictures of her mother he she is having a crisis because he is acting like a dick and he won't even say hey i'm acting this way because it's hard to be here because this is where your mom died he's just letting her blame herself for the Mm -hmm. way he's acting he's just avoiding her he's putting all these barriers on her and not giving her any reason yeah i i think he's a horrible father i agree i think i i uh, i hadn't thought about it but now you say it i i 100 agree he's the worst one bad dad bad dad because even Ralph, even Johnny Tsunami's or Johnny Capahala's dad, like at least they gave reasons for why they told their kids they can't do things. Like you can't skate because you're not paying attention to your schoolwork or you can't snowboard because you should focus more on your schoolwork. Basically, they want them to focus on their schoolwork is is the point. But at least they gave them a reason. <laughs> at least before those movies took place, they didn't leave out a whole parent for 13 years. Like it's like that idea is so unfathomable to me that he would just never basically acknowledge that mom exists. It's insane. Yeah. That's why I put mentally a note on the single parent counter. Cause I realized that she has a mother, but it is so much of the plot that I feel like it applies because yeah, it is I, like the whole plot is that her mom's dead. I think that like what I will say is that 
the stepmom does most of the parenting oh, in yeah. this movie. No. And that's why I struggle with the like, it, it, it's not a traditional, as somebody that comes from a, a, a divorced household that had step parents, right? Like, I think often that step parent role is pretty absent, like, or not parenting. I, I didn't have a step parent that like really parented me, right? They, they took sort of a backseat to my, my actual parent. Whereas like the stepmom in this movie is parenting. No, like, I, in a very real way. I fully agree with that. And I'm not trying to say that step parents are not parents or that other people can't be parents you know yeah people are raised in all different kinds of family situations i just meant from a plot point standpoint it feels like this is the thing that she has to overcome which yeah. not so much in decoms but in disney movies killing a parent is like the way the hero's journey begins oh for sure for mm -hmm. sure okay so we get home the, the, we arrive back at the house there is going to be a confrontation because dad is always upset Elizabeth, see, Elizabeth, who is the stepmom, sees Sydney first and begins the comforting process. Like, dad's out. He's looking everywhere for you. Then dad just shows up because he is the Flash and runs all over the big island and makes it back to the plantation very quickly. Immediately starts bickering with Malia. And the fight just, there's a whole fight ensues as Elizabeth carry, like sort of carts Sydney away dramatically and Malia and the dad argue. Because, of course, they know each other. Obviously. You're filling her head with stories. Da, da, da. It's, it's typical stuff of a dad who's like tried to ignore somebody's friend forever and, and this friend is calling them out, right? And Sydney's listening to all of it. Like mm -hmm. every bit of it, uh, Sydney is hearing where dad's like, where Malia's saying, she doesn't know her. She doesn't know her mom. Like, you've got to tell her. And dad's like, she doesn't need to know anything. <laughs> Dad sucks. Like Dad I'm sucks. A hundred percent on Malia's side because like my mom lost her mom very young. I've I've never met my hmm. blood maternal grandmother. And my mom, anytime we go to Iowa where she's from, loves seeing her mom's friends. Because mm -hmm. and every time that we see them at whatever kind of gathering it may be, she's always like Molly, come meet this person because they were my mom's friend or they were in um, the Legion with my mom or they were in whatever book club with my mm. mom. And she just like wants me to hear stories of her mom because to be cheesy, but like that's how you keep people around. For sure. So the fact that Malia is like, I am like her mom's best friend. I'm the closest thing she has. I'm the person with all the stories. I'm the keeper of all of this information and all of this history and you're not giving her any of it like that is unfair and the fact yeah. that the dad's just like you're telling her nonsense like she's it's not telling her nonsense she's manners. telling her like who her mom was and then we get this shoehorn plot point in here when elizabeth comes in and drops this great line dude that how line am i supposed to fight a ghost <laughs> What the fuck is that interaction? I, I, that got shoehorned in there so thought, quick. Are we talking about the real ghost from Berlin? Yeah, the ghost in the house? The Binks haunted house? Binks ain't there. Binks has not been there since he yeah, went to the shed. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna add context to your to your line, Alan, because it, it's actually crazier, I think, with the line before it. So dad is talking to Malia about all these things. He's upset. Malia leaves. And Elizabeth behind him is like, you know, she's not wrong. Like Elizabeth being a reasonable parent to this little girl is <laughs> yep. like, 
you know, she's, she's not wrong. Like maybe you should tell her and dad, like they interact a little bit. And then seemingly like, I don't understand where this came from, but Elizabeth says, if you had fallen in love with another woman, I'd fight for this relationship. I'd fight to keep you if you had fallen in love with another woman, but I don't know how to fight a ghost. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking what about right now? Fuck? Is dad having an affair with a ghost right now? Like, I, what do you mean if he had fallen in love with another one? Where, what, where is this even coming from? Like, I, I, I don't understand this interaction at all. Because there is absolutely zero plot point ever in this film that we see where dad says, I'm still in love with the dead mom because he doesn't acknowledge that dead mom exists. But also like, obviously he would still have love for her. Like, it's not like they had marital issues and, and they had a divorce. Like she died. She tragically died years ago. And obviously it's incredibly difficult. What the fuck is this woman on about, about like, about like <laughs> fighting a ghost I, why, why is why is she at odds i don't understand what it, is it, going on it is a shoehorned in plot point that makes no sense whatsoever because she even brings up like separation and divorce is a possibility and i'm like whoa okay let and then we never get acknowledged again it stops right there it stops it just there's a lot of that full stop boom done well they have to go upstairs and talk to sydney and this is another just absolutely ludicrous bit of script writing because they say, what happened? And they, of course, mean, what happened to your head? Why do you have a cut oh, on your yes, head oh, now? Oh, and she fun. responds with like, being a part of it? Really? On the inside? What? This is, <laughs> this is a callback oh, you- to... You did what? get a concussion. I, I understand. <laughs> you are concussed. This is a callback to her internal VO monologue. And I just remember thinking, hey, Sydney, Sydney, your dad didn't hear that, Sydney. He doesn't know what you're talking about. Why are you doing this? Right. So you were surfing. And uh, <laughs> yes. you, so you bonked your little nod. What you should have said is I surfed and fell off and hurt my head. Yeah, that that is much. Hey, you know what, Sydney? I took care of the the sort of miscommunication there in a sentence and a half. Well, she was concussed and then she got yelled at to stop feeling sorry for herself. So this is where we've landed. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, that anybody would be a little bit shaken up after that. Soap opera. But we've gone like 25 or plus minutes at this point without hearing anything else about this real estate line. Like that. Most of this movie goes on without ever going back to the real estate thread. Like it just, we net, we don't return until the end of the film. They introduce what feels like a major plot point and then they just forget it until 20 minutes left in the movie. It appears on screen three times, Mm -hmm. three times. There's a real estate plot point appear on screen. Bo introduces it. We are introduced to the wacky, wacky cousins and then at the very end of the film, the wacky cousins return. It is for something that is supposed to be central to the plot. We never see it. It's instead what we see is Sydney goes back to the beach and Gia and her friends are doing a braiding train. I don't know what that's called. And they are worried about the waves for the day. 
So they begin a very disorganized chant that results in a super soaker battle. Sure does. Been there. As as one would. Did y'all have super soakers? I did. No, my mom didn't believe in violence. What? That's a real statement. Okay. I had a I had a summer birthday. Um, Same. As, as does Alan. And so that meant I got a super soaker every year. That was the like, that was the toy. Was I, I you have a birthday you. in June, you get a super soaker because it's hot out. Go blast your friends. I, I envy you. And I would often play with super soakers at my friend's house. Mm-hmm. But my mom did not believe in what was giving the, me a gun. What was the super soaker model you had? Because I only ever got one. Oh, I, I had like three or four super soakers. So uh, I believe I had the super soaker 2000. Mm. And you I'm going to pull a super up, soaker battle. I'm going to pull up an, an image of this because Molly, you didn't have one. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull up an image I, of this. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pull up the image so that I can rub it in your face that I had this yeah, dope yeah, yeah, ass yeah. super soaker. I'm, I, I want you to know what you were missing out on. Um, so I'm going to send this to us in our little chat so you can see what the Super Soaker 2000 looked like. It's the biggest, baddest, most powerful Super Soaker ever. The revolutionary Super Soaker CPS 2000. Constant pressure system. Maxed out nozzle delivers more water faster and further than any other Super Soaker. Constant pressure system means you get a steady stream of raw water power. It's the next wave in water power. Here. The Super Soaker CPS 2000, as wet as it gets. That's what she said. I had the CPS 2000, which does not stand for oh, Child Protective nice. Services. That, that That's just the, the model. That is nice. I just remember having to oh, pump to that pump Super it, yeah. Soaker so much. That's what she said. Oh, I had this one as well. But right. this was the first one that I got. Mm-hmm. Oh, the hand, the Super Soaker 2000 was a two-hand adventure, but that was a one-hander right there. That's what he said. Uh, it was, I mean, you I was a pump kid, right it was pretty big. Front. Yeah, they got the pump in the front. I think we that, have a what Super you can't Soaker. tell, what you can't tell is that that's double-barreled. Ooh. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. what we're saying is that these children ran up on Gia. It was Kona and Friend ran up on Gia with a pair of Super Soaker 2000s uh, and started a started a water battle. I'd like to move past a little bit because Sydney then wants to learn more about the island and the house and the property that she owns. And Kona then insults her or compliments her by calling her a hot dog. And giving her the ugliest cartoon known to man. And I don't understand why he called her a hot dog is that a is that a slang term for something no one understands i i i i know to you it's a uh, probably a wild insult that would be the gravest of insults i think call her you know you could call her glizzy hands probably not not really <laughs> you know what you don't do you don't look up here's what you, do, here's what you don't put in your google search bar listeners hot dog slang terms hawaii because what pops up there is not this is what the Hawaiian salty dog is. <laughs> the Hawaiian salty dog is what a man. My God. And a third party. <laughs> 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 
Am I right? Uh, <laughs> right. So Sydney and Kona have a conversation and Kona hands her some of his art, which is just her. And it's, he's a, a caricature, caricature artist. He's a caricature artist. <laughs> he is. And he hands her the art and calls her a hot dog. And you know, what's weird is that you can now find, you know, that kid Kona, he's now on at the boardwalk resort oh, at Walt Disney. World. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And, he That's actually true. still he still has the frosted tips. So if you, uh, you keep an eye out. <laughs> oh god. If you need a unique take home on your next Disney vacation. So then they get on horses. Mm-hmm. We don't know where they came from. It's never established. And begin to tour the remainder of the island. And by the remainder of the island, I mean they go to a broken down home that through the Long Island medium Sydney goes into this broken broken home after uh, and by broken home I mean literally like it's broken apart. It's a, um, it's like abandoned. It's it, abandoned. But she saw it, it, it she she saw it in the back of a photo. This right. is where she this is where she she saw a picture of her mom in a photo album standing in front of a house. And she asks Kona if he knows where it is. And then right. he he takes her. Although before they use I know you said horses. They set up a big twist here because he says well, how well can you ride? And you think he means like on a skateboard because we've established Kona as a skateboarder. And then they cut to them being on horses and you're like, oh, that's funny. What a twist. What a, <laughs> a surprise. Didn't see that coming. That's right. Uh, so then, then we have what is, I think, probably the most accurate representation of anything in this film and that is how two 13 year olds flirt and it mm, is sydney good. stealing kona's hat and hat. running throughout this abandoned home yeah i i actually remember stealing boys hats a hundred percent that I feels very this. on brand and they end up in an abandoned room and sydney says some wild shit and she's like i know this place I know this place because of now we're going to pause here listeners because there's a variety of things that rationally would make sense for Sydney to say here. I know this place because of I've seen a picture of it. I have a memory of it. My dad's talked to me about it, which is unrealistic. His dad doesn't talk to Sydney about shit. Instead, she goes with, I know this place because of the smell. (laughs) They say smell is the most uh, it's the strongest sense when it comes to memory. I'm it's sure true. it is. But also, it's been 10 years at least since she's been in this room. 
That smell is very different in an abandoned place. Yeah, that's that doesn't smell I, the same anymore. I, yeah, I think it's not like I, I think a smell sticks with me. I I will smell things to this day that I'm like, oh, that's the like that that scent takes me back to this thing that was long more than ten. That abandoned room doesn't smell the same for sure as when someone was living there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's where I see the issue with this statement. And. Uh, as quickly as we were introduced to this abandoned home, are we taken back to, I think we have like a, a minor interaction. Maybe I was incorrect. Maybe we have four interactions with the real estate folks because we have like a minor interaction with them here, right? When they get back to the house prior to Sydney being whisked away to the whale party. Speaking of Sydney being whisked away. Uh-huh. Did Is this you... by the compies in Jurassic Park 3? Two. Two? No. This is about the fact that Camilla Bell also voiced Almonda de Quack in Mickey and the Roadster Racers. Did you wow, know that? Wow, that, that is what a very specific um, casting you've found. I did. And you know who also is in Mickey and the Roadster <laughs> Racers? I'm sure you're going to tell me. Jim Cummings. Oh, oh sure. He uh, voices uh, Pete. A, a voice, uh, an iconic voice actor of mm-hmm. of yeah. many character. Very he, talented. He voices Pete uh, in in many things, including Mickey and the Roadster Racers. He also voiced Ray in Princess and the Frog. You guys mm. probably enjoy him in that role. But mm-hmm. you know who I enjoy in the Princess and the Frog? Tell me, Doctor Facilier. Sure. Doctor Facilier is is probably my favorite character in. Uh, yeah, he's got friends on the other side, and Doctor Facilier is voiced by an actor named Keith David. Uh huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Big fan of his work. He's been in lots and lots of movies. But do you know what he's known for? He's known for being General Kimsey in Armageddon. I don't know that I'd say that's what he's known for, but I I will accept that he I, was that person. I, am, I now know he I, is that person. I, yeah, I, I now know him for that. I want to point out that IMDb put him as known for, and that was one of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, did they? Because yeah. on IMDb, <laughs> okay, they say, you know, here's the actor, and then they say known yeah, for, yeah, and yeah. they give you their top, like, three or four roles, yeah, and then you yeah, can yeah. scroll down to see everything. Mm-hmm. It, Princess and the Frog is in there, and Armageddon. Okay, okay. Sure, so sure, 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 sure. What's the ranking? I need to know where Armageddon sits on the known for ranking. There's four of them on there. Okay. And... Which which number is it? Is it, he? It's in a it's in a square. So I guess four. It's the bottom Depends right on which, square. Which order you read yeah. the square? And what are the other ones? Princess and the Frog. Uh huh. They live. Uh huh. The Thing, and Armageddon. Oh. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The Thing, a classic. Yeah. But Interesting. If if anyone is known for Armageddon, uh huh. It is Seiko Matsuda. Uh huh. Who plays a very popular role? Asian tourist dash female. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that is her credited what? role in Armageddon. What? Uh-huh. And it is her known for <laughs> <laughs> on IMDb. Oh, Seiko Matsuda. And uh. But she, I do know her for that. 
<laughs> in addition to, again, Asian tourist slash female, mm-hmm. she also plays Tina in Drop Dead Gorgeous. Hmm. That is a very funny off-the-wall movie, if, if you haven't seen it. It's so offensive. They could not make it today. It's about a beauty pageant, but it is it is quite comical, kind of a, a cult fave. Um, in that film, Alexandra Holden plays Mary Johannesson, who is one of the beauty pageant uh, contenders. She also played Jane Wilco on the hit show Allie McBeal. Mm. And... Uh, on Ally McBeal, there was a character named Steven, and he was played by Dwyer Brown, who mm. is the worst dad in DCOM history in there this film. Huh. You've been Armageddon, the part of the show where Molly, by no one's urging, has found yet another way this DCOM can be tied to the smash hit Armageddon. Don't tell her to stop because she won't. I also wanted to say that Dwyer Brown is in field of dreams and he's kevin costner's dad in that movie. oh he just plays a shitty dad that's just his role yeah but i couldn't it took was taking me too long to go from field of dreams so i had to go another route that's fair i understand well you know it didn't take long it didn't take long for sydney to be whisked away from her plantation home to the luau where she was immediately brought into the fold brought into the dancing the eating the celebrating all in the service of going to hear a just distractingly long story about a woman surfing a tsunami. I don't think that's what the story's about. I think we got a bad translation because in my version of the script, Uh tell me that woman is telling the legend of the best surfer slash person in Hawaii, Johnny Tsunami. <laughs> oh, you know, this is not what I expected your crossover to be, but I'm in I'm into it. Yeah, wouldn't it be so much better if she was telling a story and then Kona, who was translating for uh Sydney, Once was then surfer, translating the Johnny story of Johnny Kapahana. Tsunami. That would be better. Johnny Kapahana That would be better. He talks himself. about the metal and all of it. It would be no, that would be a better story. I thought uh, the, the crossover that I'm interested in is Malia's love life. Um, because oh, you think I she fucks with Johnny Tsunami. I think she fucks with Johnny Tsunami. Mm. I, I, <laughs> the crossover <laughs> I'm looking for <laughs> is a little hee <laughs> hee, if you know what I mean. Uh, that's what I'm you looking mean, for. You mean a salty Ew. Hawaiian dog. I, I mean, I know that. Oh I, yeah, my exactly. God. <laughs> I know that. Sydney thinks she's an old hag that can't surf, but we got uh, an attractive Malia who is still an active surfer. And I think if she's going out on the beach, she's finding the gilf. And uh, she's probably spending some time with a little hee-hee, you know, Man, if you know what I'm I saying. I like this. The legend, Johnny I, I Kapahala. Yeah, 100%. It's not Johnny Kapahala. Well, Johnny Tsunami. Sorry, Tsunami. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um... Not the grandson. Yeah. <laughs> Not the grandson. Um, I like this story, and I would watch a decom about their romance. Yeah. I don't think that's a decom. Yeah, I, I think that's an a decom, maybe, an, 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 an adult <laughs> Disney Channel original movie. Yeah, yeah that, that, um, that is an error on the same channel. Yeah, but um, I, do, I do think that that's the crossover. And, of course, um, the, the legend of Johnny Tsunami translated by Wankona ends... And a kiss? And a smooch. That... A little smoocher. That, yeah, that feels just about as awkward as it would have happened for us in childhood. So, 
of all the things that they portrayed well in this uh, in this movie, it's only one of them, and it's an awkward thirteen year old romance. That's true. Then we get perhaps the best CGI we have ever seen in any decom when a whale, certainly a real whale, jumps out of the ocean and breaches. That humpback whale is massive. Mm. If you look at like the beach and the trees <laughs> compared to the whale, it's it is an island-sized humpback gargantuan. whale. <laughs> That thing should honestly should be in like some sort of it, world it record should book. cause a tidal wave when it <laughs> breaches in the water. It is ginormous. And also, I don't understand why they would use a bad CGI whale when it would probably cost them very little to buy some like B-roll of a real whale. Or, let's see. Okay, so the time frame for whale season in Hawaii is December 15th through April 15th. I mean, or go shoot a video of a whale. They were filming in the season. Like, go go look at a whale. If this released They April needed 22nd, it to be gargantuan. They it, needed it to be a massive spiritual... It is, it is the megalodon uh, of it, it, whales. Like, yeah, it's the hope whale, Molly. I, we needed it to be a lot of hope. A lot of hope. You know? It's so much hope was in that whale. And it, I mean, it is a, 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 a catastrophic event creating hope whale. I oh. mean, the good news is they a did tsunami. get their money's worth out of that CGI shot because they use it multiple times. Yeah, they use it a couple times. That's true. Then we have the crux of this entire. F- Again, we are we are wrapping this movie, by the way. At this point, we've got maybe 20 minutes left in this film. And. Sydney looks over to Malia and says, tell me how, what happened to my mom. Tell me about the accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Malia's like, do you really want to know? And Sydney says, yes, I really want to know. So then, then we get the story of what occurred with the accident on the day of uh, Sydney's mother going out to surf and ultimately her tragic death. Really? Yeah, really. <laughs> and here is where I got confused. And I and maybe it's just me, because Sydney immediately and I think it's because her dad is a really shitty dad and hasn't done a good job or any job of introducing her mother into her life. Sydney gets mad at her mom. Oh yeah, I think mad is not really uh, do it. She's like angry. I I think there's probably a world as someone who has not lost a parent. I think there's, there would be anger. I think mm-hmm. that is a correct emotion you would feel. But it does feel bonkers, the way that it's mm-hmm. delivered. Obviously, anger is a very normal stage of grief. That We all know that, right? Anger is one of the stages Absolutely. of grief that, I'm, that, that we are familiar with. We've all uh, likely experienced. And it feels normal that she would be upset. If... If it had just happened, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. the thing that makes it tough is that she's her mom has been dead for 10 years at least. And she seemingly knew it was an accident. It wasn't like even though she doesn't know, she refers to it as like, tell me about the accident. Like she knows that her mom died tragically in an accident. And so what is she angry about? 
she's angry that her mom went surfing like i think that the emotion she says like she should have been here to raise me that's very real i i a hundred percent relate and like understand where that emotion comes from but if you've known for 10 years that mom died in an accident and now you're just finding out from the the person that she was with like yes she got caught up in the riptide unfortunately she fought to get back she was a very skilled surfer but it wasn't like she made bad decisions it was like she did what she loved and that what she was great at and it didn't go well like I, I don't, I, I agree that like, while I see anger as a very normal stage of grief, I have a hard time with this moment of anger, especially because in the very next scene, she's over it. She's fine. She's worked through it off screen. Yeah. I, literally hours later, right? Like she comes home. She's so upset that she takes the only photo she has of her mom and rips it in half. And then hours later goes on a walk with her dad where she's like, tell me everything about her. I wish she was here. I want to know everything. And is in like good spirits, question mark. Like mm-hmm. it, it is very, maybe the purpose of this is just showing that like, it's okay to, to be angry. It's okay to feel this emotion. And that is part of grief. And so if we're going to represent losing a parent, maybe the want is just to show kids that like this is a normal thing to feel and like you can recover from that and you can forgive or whatever but it is a weird execution of it in this movie i think i'll probably recap this at the end but like i I think that this whole thing needed more time and maybe they just didn't need this real estate plot at all and they could have given this plot the time that it could have had to make more sense yeah, but but again, she she the next day goes on a walk with her dad and uh, is able to learn everything about her mom and fixes the picture. Oh, let's does, not. I mean, let's not skip to this is where dad tells her she gets to make the decision on the real estate choice, oh, by the way, is is in this moment where she they talk about mom and, and dad accepts like I i should have told you and you get to make a decision about the house now and then yes she does an incredible bit of photoshop (laughs) she has that early macintosh does some repair enhance Enhance. (laughs) but then she goes to meet up with the other kids and they're all mean to her yeah they hate her they hate her all of a sudden and it's because they all of a sudden learned that she might sell the real estate to the moguls. Isn't that, that's been the the plot point the whole time. Right. Did I miss a piece where something else happened or they just, they just decide to be mad now. So she goes to confront Gia and is like, when you became my friend, did you know who I was? And Gia's like, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> basically i yeah. befriended you so that you wouldn't fuck all of us over like she and it. this is the craziest plot point that everything about <sighs> this movie has been staged to keep this girl from selling this home that that bike wreck was a planned scripted event so that Gia could act like she was her friend because if she had friends, she might not sell this home. 
And they even imply that Kona doesn't really like her. He's just doing it to keep her from selling this home. And this felt so fucking crazy and out of left field to me. Like, it's so mean. It is mean spirited. That as like, as uh, what? What? No, you don't need to shoehorn that in the last 15 minutes of the movie. It's uh, like there's because in any rational bit of writing, there's no way you resolve that bit of conflict in 15 minutes. But the, no the decom, there's there's no rational writing here. No shot. And, and it's like, don't you want me to root for the the people of the island? Like, I, am I not like, are you not trying to encourage me to not want capitalism to win? And that, like <laughs> the historic home should get to stay and all these kids should get to keep serving. So you made them into horrible people at the end of the movie. Like, what is this? And then Sydney rightfully so is like, I hate you, which yeah, no, of course valid. And then she goes to the real estate moguls and they hand her a fancy pen, a and, fountain pen and um, sparkling cider, not champagne. And I like that. They pass it out. And the, the stepmom's like, oh, is that is that for us? And she's like, it's sparkling cider because of Sydney. And That's it was right. just like, correct. This person cannot drink alcohol and therefore should not be making paper. any kind of legal decisions. <laughs> she <laughs> should not be holding the fountain pen. Like, Get that out of her hand. Yes. The fact that you have to buy sparkling cider because she's 13 means maybe she should not be doing paperwork. And then in the like the most anticlimactic bit of cutaway work we've had, I think in a decom yet, it cuts away from her pin approaches paper ever so slowly. And just before the the, the, the the opulescent tip of the pin touches the paper, it cuts away to Sydney running to meet with her friends because she has to go find them because she saw them out the window. And she suddenly had a change of heart. And she decided they're not assholes. Yeah. Nothing they did was mean. They're not mean. We're all friends here. Jesus. That is what a 13 year old girl would do for sure. She definitely wouldn't sign the paper. No grudge. She definitely wouldn't sign the paper and then just go back to Chicago. With millions of dollars. Sure wouldn't do that. Yeah. Have a trust fund. Runs out. Tries to go find Gia and is unable to. And people say that Gia, all of her searching leads her to the beach because Gia has gone surfing because that's what angsty people do. They surf. She's gone surfing alone. Alone. And because in the last five minutes of this movie, we're going to kill Gia. Well, Jeez. she says Gia 48 times. In case you forget what's Gia. wrong, she Gia. just says her name over and over again. And they yeah. will do things where it's like, they show her clothes, like her her swim shorts on the beach. And she's like, oh, Gia. And then they show her surfboard and she's like, oh, Gia. And it's like, if you're not picking up the clues that Gia is in trouble in the water, don't worry. We're going to say her name a bunch of times. Right. Can we all agree just together in a moment of solidarity? Gia would be dead. Like there, there's no shot there's a reason this movie's called Rip Girls. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, that is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, like Rip, Gia. Rip, rest in peace. <laughs> Gia, specifically. So then, Sydney, who is a worse surfer than Gia. Oh no, no, no! Remember, 
Malia said that Sydney feels the feels the spirit of her mother and has inherited the 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 surfing. Oh, the ghost is back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Spooky. She gets on the surfboard, which can we talk about the wild camera POV shots <laughs> <laughs> like Oy from vey. the surfboard into the water and the surfboard isn't moving at all. It's not going through the water like it should be. It's not just even like a they bit. set the camera on a surfboard just sitting there for a second. <laughs> they show her like third person and it's just floating. Like it's not, she's not making progress. The surfboard's just sitting in still water, basically. <laughs> and then she jumps off the surfboard to go find Gia. And you have this almost Jaws-esque upward shot of Sydney. And I'm going to say this with air quotes, swimming. Sydney's flailing about in the water. She is not moving in any perceivable direction. She is treading water. And we are meant to believe she swims down and rescues Gia in this moment, who has been underwater for at least, at least two minutes. Yeah, Gia's dead. So uh, (laughs) I will say... They show some injuries in this movie. Like we saw Sydney's head bleeding earlier, and then when Gia comes out of the water, her arm is is ripped up. Like they, they there's some there's a little bit of blood in this movie. Kind of like in Brink. They love yeah. Them. They like blood in the board. Board movies. yeah, board movies. They board get blood. They get the blood montages. Somehow Gia's not dead. She has the lung capacity of an Olympic diver, and. Everything's fine. Yeah. To which Sydney rips out the 35 page contract that she brought in her bag instead of just saying, I, I didn't sell. She says, <laughs> Let me show you this 35 page Winkle document <laughs> <laughs> that you, you understand. Yeah, that you Look, I didn't understand. sign it though. She could have just brought the last page if she wanted a, a I, prop for her, absolutely her dramatic you know, moment. She could have just had one page. Yes. Then she could have ripped it up. She's and not then, the Hulk. She can't rip up. Like she did that pictures. photo of her mom. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Ooh, gut punch. Uh, she has Photoshop. She does. She does. She can she can repair and enhance. So but she then takes the contract and does it with DocuSign and <laughs> <laughs> And that is how DocuSign was created. <laughs> and really so Sydney's a millionaire anyway. She didn't need the plantation to be turned into a resort margarita. She made DocuSign. She made DocuSign. Sydney really? created DocuSign. Really impressive. Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and that's effectively how this movie wraps. Sydney says no to the contract, which her parents are okay with. She's now once more friends with her manipulative people, manipulative surrounding the, the, the residents of, of the island that she's living on. And we know that dad went to therapy off screen because he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Hawaiian now. shirt. And it's revealed that they are going to move to Hawaii, that they are now <laughs> relocating their life from Chicago, where dad is gainfully employed and Sydney seemingly has a life with friends to live in Hawaii because they've been there for a week and a half. <laughs> and Sydney has trust issues for the rest of her life. That's right. The yeah. end. <laughs> now I have, now that we've gotten to the end of this movie. And we've seen the turn of Gia. I have a question that I initially considered at the beginning, but I think that you need the full context of the movie to really be able to answer it. A couple episodes ago, we haven't really had a good example 
but we in, we we talked about the Gilbert scale. Yes, we did. Oh yeah, and that we should evaluate it. our friends on the Gilbert scale. You're either higher or lower on the Gilbert scale. That's and so point. I ask you all. That's a good point. Where does Gia fall? Lower on the Gilbert scale. So much lower. Like original Gilbert from Under Wraps is annoying and makes some racially insensitive and culturally insensitive jokes. But what he does, but what he is, is loyal because he drives a hearse through That's a wall true. for his friends. That's true. Gia, for 75 minutes, builds a false narrative to lure this person into a web of lies and then reveals it all in the most dickish way possible. Gia yeah. sucks. And the fact that Sydney saved her is just bananas. Are you suggesting she should have let her die? I, I mean, she wouldn't have known if she had signed the contract, right? I think like... She should have made the mills. Ima yeah, imagine that's the way this movie ends. Sydney makes those millies and nobody goes to look for Gia. So she just dies in the ocean. That's that would be a crazy turn. That's dark. That's a, that's a sort of a villain. That's a sort of a villain arc. Sydney becomes a villain. Um, yeah, it's interesting because throughout most of this movie, G is high on the Gilbert scale. Oh True. yeah, she's like she's, teaches Sydney to surf, invites her into her friend group, is a wing woman that like gets her hooked up with Kona, and then out of nowhere, <laughs> she reveals that she's the worst. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to agree. OG Gilbert would not be as fun to hang out with, but OG Gilbert probably wouldn't sell you out this way. Yeah, better friend. Yeah, so, so Gia, much lower, lower on, on the, the Gilbert, Gilbert scale. scale. Yeah, that was Rip Girls, everybody. I'm curious as to your ratings. I think oh, it's been a minute since I've kicked off the ratings, so I'll do it for this one. This movie is below average. I think that it is around the same scale as Alley Cat's Strike, I'm going to give it a 3.8. The And the reason it's a 3.8 is because of like the, trying to shoehorn so much in in the last 15 minutes of this movie. It doesn't have nearly the amount of expedition that Alley Cat's Strike did, but it still has a lot of it. I just... Just not a good movie. Below average. The only redeeming qualities are some of the montage music. I'm going to give it a three. I gave Alley Cat Strike a three eight, I'm pretty sure. And Alley Cat Strike had better music. And Alley Cat Strike, to be fair, has a nostalgia factor for me that this movie did not have. I thought this movie was pretty terrible. And I will never watch it again. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Max, what do you think? I'm also going to give this movie a three. I think that this movie would be better if they completely removed the real estate narrative altogether and made all of the conflict intention about this girl dealing with the loss of her mom and mm -hmm. like finding out about her family history and not splitting focus and being able to really give that the like weight and time it deserves. I would say that if we accept canonically that uh, in the background, Malia is doing the hee hee with um, Johnny Tsunami, then this might be a 3.2. I agree. Uh, I agree I to your addendum. <laughs> and I would like to think that. Yeah. So I'm going to share some really unsettling news with you all. 
is uh-huh. that this movie apparently has a massive nostalgia factor for a segment of the DCOM audience because there is not a rating lower than seven that I have found from YouTube <laughs> wow. reviews. We disagree. <laughs> uh, actually, I lied, I lied, I lied. I didn't go to page three. There is a one. There have is a those one. people seen this movie? Have those people seen other movies? <laughs> They've only seen Alley Cat Strike and this, and they're like, well, less exposition. They're like, seven. The seven-star review. Oh, the, the user has surfing in their name. Uh, the title of the review is Better Than Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> you know what? I'm not sure I disagree. <laughs> I fucking hate that little character. <laughs> yeah, the review is... Looking for a great children's movie with the Hawaiian theme? Rip Girls has it all. Although the ostensible storyline is a bit implausible, the taste of Hawaiian culture and respectful treatment of all generations is well above expectations. This is the kind of movie I used to expect routinely from Disney. Hmm. Respectful treatment? I, I think this person should watch Johnny Tsunami. They, they do respect kids and adults and ghosts. <laughs> She surfs still. Yeah. You hag. <laughs> Respect meter high. That's right. Okay, what do we have next? I believe we get Miracle oh, Lane yeah. 2. Yeah, Miracle Lane yeah, 2. Yeah, Frankie Muniz. Also based on a true story. I I was going to say this earlier when we were talking about the deviation and the amount of decomps. Here is my uh, hypothesis, and we'll see if this is true. My hypothesis is that because we're getting a movie every month, there are going to be clear A teams and B teams and C teams and D teams, and that they are going to start giving the good movie producers to the movies that have a name and that you will see a significantly higher quality film when you have somebody like a Frankie Muniz in Mm. the movie versus a Rip Girls. So I'm going to call it that I think that movie is going to be good because it had a title character that would draw an audience versus a random decom with nobody's in it who they're going to give to the B or C team. I like this bet. I think I think you're onto something. Yeah, that makes sense. I I am now going to begin sorting these films by A, B, C, and D on mm, the call in your head. Scale. Yeah, yeah, this one is, this one's a C. So yeah. is Alley Cat Strike a C? I would rate. Don't look under the bed. A U. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so in any case folks that's it for rip girls please take some time to leave us a rating make sure to subscribe to the pod wherever you listen to your podcast it really does help us out follow us on all of our socials that is at mammoth club or at mammoth underscore club we'll see you all next week when we talk about miracle and lane two really really <laughs> bye <laughs>